Christian friends, a great work lies before us. For we have called, we have been called to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he told his disciples, Acts chapter 2, verse 8. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Just the work of telling everyone the good news that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What is our motivation to be uh, for doing this? How are we to keep going when days are difficult? When we are conscious of our own frailty and weakness, when the approach of others seems far more successful, when others draw a crowd and a measure of popularity, through doing things somewhat differently to us. Or in days when there is opposition and no one seems to respond. How should we seek to present the gospel to people? How should we keep going when times are hard? We're going to look at a few words from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and beginning at the first verse. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But having renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. The apostle there is saying that God's mercy is to motivate us. Paul wrote as an apostle of Christ. That sounds elevated. Very impressive to us. However, the apostle was very conscious that he had nothing in himself that made him worthy to tell others about what he describes as the glorious gospel. Of Christ in verse 4. He is very clear that he was inadequate. That he did not deserve to be an apostle. Verse 7, he says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. that That the excellency of the power of God... that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We usually think of the calling of God 
the giving of gifts for ministry. However, here, the emphasis is on the fact that it is only of God's mercy that anyone of us is called to preach or to witness for Christ. As Richard Lensky has said, God took us who of ourselves were pure, miserable wretches and first of all raised us up with his mercy and then set us onto this glorious ministry. In grace, God was merciful. God chose to use unworthy people to do his work. And to use unworthy people like you and I to be his witnesses in the world today. It is God who chose to use earthen vessels. And so, we are not to be discouraged when we are conscious of our frailty and of our weakness. Rather, we are to look up and remember that it is a mercy of God that we have been called to be his witnesses. We are utterly inadequate, but we can be confident. It is the Lord's work, it is the Lord's message, and we are his messengers. It is not of our will that we seek to do this work, but it is God's doing. I was reminded of Joshua. Joshua gives us an example. He was called upon to follow in the footsteps of Moses in leading the people, crossing the Jordan and facing the peoples of the land, the conquest, the days of struggle and battle and victory. How was he equipped for this task? Joshua 1 verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Joshua's calling was not about his own ability or strength. It was about the Lord's presence with him. That was a merciful and gracious promise. It is when we see that we are hopelessly inadequate for the task, but remember, it is of the Lord's mercy that we are called upon to undertake this, that we are enabled to do it. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in the third verse, I was with you in weakness and in fear 
and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. Be encouraged. God uses people like us, earthen vessels, to do his work today. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 tells us, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. This is so that we don't get the glory. We must remember that the gospel, the message which we proclaim, is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We are weak. We are frail. But God is merciful in using us. It's his decision, his calling. It's his message. It's his work. He will lay his hand of blessing upon it. And secondly, let us note that God's truth must be our only method. Every time I am given an opportunity to preach, I have a choice to make. What shall I say? And how shall I seek to explain it? Our church as a whole has the same decision to make. Do we try to do something to put it in a way that people will like and enjoy? Is our aim simply to fill the building with as many people as possible, as often as possible? I'm sure we could have times that we enjoyed doing that. But that is not what we are called to do. Verse 2. There are wrong ways which must be rejected and right things that must be done. The Apostle says, We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There are things to renounce, to reject, to lay aside, things that we are not to make use of. And we are, in contrast, to plainly proclaim the fullness of God's word. We faint not, but have renounced in the face of difficulty of discouragement that would cause a coward to hide from the fight or 
to turn to other less offensive or more acceptable methods to change the message, to dilute it, to alter its emphasis, to leave some things out or or put something else in. No, we must renounce any thought of that. He renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. There are methods, methods that churches can try to use which are shameful. He explains this as not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. There's always a temptation to alter the message. To adjust it, to make it more acceptable to the hearer. We can leave something out. It varies with time and with who we're talking to. Or we can think about preaching about sin. The need for repentance. Not so popular these days. Well, at least if we're talking about certain sins, it's not popular. People don't mind if you're preaching about the sins of rich people or talking about the evil of child abuse. But sins that are personal to them, that they identify with, it's easier if we leave them out. Much easier. It's diluting the word of God. Oh, it could be about the person of Christ. The virgin birth is deity, is sinlessness. Penal substitutionary atonement in his death on the cross or his bodily resurrection. The foundation truths of the Christian faith are often covered over or laid aside, buried under something else. They're still in the statement of faith. But are they proclaimed faithfully and fully and widely Around us, there's a world of people who know almost nothing about the Christian gospel, about our scriptures, about the glories of Christ in all its fullness. It is our responsibility to seek to make disciples by teaching, by proclaiming this word of truth. We are inadequate. But God's word is sufficient. God has spoken and we need to tell people what it says. Because that's what our calling is. By God's mercy. Proclaiming a humiliated, crucified Savior who rose from the tomb victorious is not A popular message. Instead, 
people talk about the love of God in some general sense. Or we lay on a music concert. We have a motivational speaker who tells people how God wants them to be healthy, wealthy and successful. And if only, if only, you sow a seed into the ministry, God will bless you. Dear friends, we can fall into many types of error. We can become mere traditionalists, proclaiming the truth just because we always have. We can have the right message, but we can do it without any sense of faith or urgency. It's just because we've been brought up with it. That's a lifeless way of going forward. We could rely upon elaborate rituals. There's always something that is less than what we should be doing. There are many things that are more appealing that will draw a crowd. For innovative in our doctrine. It will attract some because people like new ideas. Many people have itching ears which we can scratch by being innovative and different. We must be aware. We must renounce all craftiness or deception. We must lay aside any thought of diluting the word of truth that we would be aware that Satan seeks to deceive even as he came to Eve in the Garden of Eden and deceived her by questioning the word of God. We must be aware also that Satan can come and and say, for it is written, as he did to our Saviour in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4 verse 6. For it is written. And he took the words of Psalm 91 and he took them out of context and he misapplied them as he sought to deceive Christ and lead him into sin. That that great promise in Psalm 91 of the, the protecting angels. But it wasn't a promise of presumption. No, it was totally out of all context and therefore it became error, heresy. We must be careful. John Calvin has said, we must observe this malice of Satan in misapplying a quotation of Scripture for the purpose of rendering life deadly to Christ and of converting bread into poison. Converting bread into poison. We've got to be careful. We've got to have balance. We've got to know what God's Word says in 
context. The context of the verse, the context of the book, the context of the whole of Scripture. We've got to be able to rightly understand what God has said. And we do that by reading it, by studying it, by understanding it, by listening to the preacher and then examining the Scriptures like those at Berea who were more worthy. Why? Because they examined the Scriptures for themselves to see if it was so. That is to be our only standard for ministry. Our method is God's Word, God's truth, and God's truth alone, and its truth in all its fullness. The antidote to error and heresy is to know what Scripture says in context and to understand it yourself. It is our life's work to be witnesses for Jesus. This is to be done by manifestation of the truth, by publicly proclaiming it, by making it clear and visible to all around. It is shining out the light of the gospel we are called to do. We are to publish the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 we read, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Our ministry is about preaching Christ, his person, his work, of redemption, the wonders of his resurrection. And we find that in Scripture. We are to be careful how we proclaim God's truth. There has to be a balance in these things. Ephesians 4 verse 15, speaking the truth in love, Speaking the truth in love. It's possible to speak the truth, even to proclaim God's law and grace with a wrong spirit, a wrong motive. Perhaps of envy and strife like some of those at Philippi. Perhaps to do it in an unbalanced way. Just concentrating on one particular issue or sin that we're not personally guilty of. Or something that will only cause offence 
and doing it in a way that's designed to cause offence. We've got to be careful to speak the truth, nothing but the truth, but to do it in love, remembering we too are earth and vessels, but it's God's truth we are proclaiming. And God's truth is a message of grace, a message of love, for God so loved. So, we have seen something of our motive and our method. But we are to do all of this knowing that we are all in the sight of God. But have renounced, verse 2, the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We are unworthy to proclaim God's truth. But in mercy, God uses people like us. Whether it is Paul as an apostle, whether it is the church's pastor or Christians in general as individual witnesses. The truth is God's truth. It is God's power unto salvation to everyone that believeth. This truth is commended to your conscience when you hear it. Your conscience stands before God. You stand before God. I am answerable for what I say, and you are answerable for what you hear. However, not everyone will believe. Those who are lost do not see the truth. The gospel light shines, but they can't see it. Just like a totally blind person who cannot see the sunshine on a clear day. So the lost do not see the truth, the glory of Christ. Verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Our Lord called Satan, John chapter 12 verse 31, the prince of this world. Be honest, if you refuse to believe God's word, the problem is not with the gospel, the problem is that you do not want to believe. Like Adam, unbelievers rebel against God's truth and they are dead to it. The Holy Spirit's work of regeneration is necessary. Now preaching of the truth is the means used. 
C.H. Spurgeon said, The God of this world does not blind believers, but he blinds the minds of them which believe not. It is, therefore, a very dangerous thing not to believe on the Son of God. The penalty of unbelief is death and condemnation. And that penalty begins to fall on men when, in consequence of their unbelief, their foolish heart is darkened. Their intellect loses the power to perceive spiritual objects, and the God of this world blinds their mental vision. Ah, my hearers, how anxious Satan is to secure your destruction, since rather than that you should see the saving light, he takes the trouble to blind your eyes. Oh, dear friends, I pray that we would clearly see that it is the Lord who in his mercy has given us this work to do. We are not worthy. But it's his work and his calling. And we are to proclaim his truth. We are here to sow and to water the good seed of the word. But it is the Lord that gives the increase. Jesus has the words of eternal life. Let us not faint and grow weary, but publish, make clear the wonderful truth, the gospel of Christ, that all who repent and believe will be saved. As verse 5 here says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Let us go forward. Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen.